This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the southeast to the northwest. This is, of course, America's car radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, who now um, is on our website. Yeah. Oh, you need to turn your microphone on, Jen. There you Hi. go. No, you need to turn it up now. Okay. You got it? There you go. Am I good? Yeah, you're okay. working out. <laughs> it's just a basic thing. Turn it on, turn it up. Yeah, I just know. Just like the volume in the stereo in your truck. Yeah. Truck Girl Jen, Jen, you're on our website now. I am, in a tricycle. <laughs> on a tricycle. Yes. Um, do you notice, I just noticed this randomly, mm-hmm. that all but one of the men on our team have beards. Mm-hmm, I noticed that. Um, Michael Carson has a beard. Uh, Harrison Noble has a beard. Rob Knoll has a beard. Uh, Bill Schaefer does not. He's the odd one out. Uh, Arv Voss does not. Perry Stern does. Uh, Arv Voss does. Big beard. Perry Stern does. Mike Cordell does. And I do. We're all bearded. And Jordan has a beard, too, who's already, is already <laughs> a producer. He has a beard. So everybody's bearded. Are you going to grow a beard? Are you kidding? No. <laughs> you have a truck. You're halfway there. Shut up. <laughs> so, a girl. Um, beard. You know, we made this animal rescue rig. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a 2018 Nissan Titan truck. And um, when the guys at Hard Notch Customs in Vancouver built it, they built it with a six-and-a-half-inch lift, right. which is big. Um, one of the things that the the guys uh, had talked about at all the Humane Societies in the United States is when we built this truck, we built it too high. So they wanted us to bring it down to about three inches so it was much more manageable to get the boat on and off the top and those sort of things. Here's the funny thing. So I took it to a shop. Uh, originally, we took it to uh, a friend's shop, and he said he couldn't touch it because the frame had been cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it's not as bad as that. That You have to cut the frame to do something there. So we took it to another shop. And they explained, oh, we can do it. Here's the lift kits. Blah, blah, blah. We, we'll take care of it. I sat in his office for 45 minutes while he talked about somebody else's car review site. <laughs> Did you say... Do you know who I am? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm now, just I have to smiled. say this person happens to be my best friend. Oh. But um, that, we'll... he, that he talked about, that he was talking about. Oh. So, like, um, he was talking about the fast lane truck. Great, oh, okay. great guys. Yes. But I had to sit there and he's going, oh, oh. they did this, and they did that. And, then, and I'm like, you know how small I feel right now? Did you say, like, oh, yeah, he's my best friend? No, of course. I threw I threw as many disablers in there as possible. <laughs> hey, by the way, if you want to see what Jen looks like or the rest of our team, you can go to ourautoexpert.com. There's pictures of everybody. Uh, there is what they do for a living. Jennifer Jenkins is the executive radio producer and news director of ourautoexpert.com. She works directly with journalists, automotive brand managers, and public relations representatives to retain high-profile guests for, inter- for on-air interviews. I'm just reading the first paragraph. What high-profile guests do we have today on today's show? Let's see how you're doing your job. Uh, Russell Datz. Uh, Russell Datz, mm-hmm. who is from? Oh, he's from Volvo. Yeah, and what is he, what's he going to talk about? He is going to talk about the XC40, which is the first pure electric vehicle yeah, from the, Volvo. Yeah, the Recharge P8, they call mm-hmm. it. Uh, all right, that's cool. The first electric Volvo available mm-hmm. in the United States. What else we got? Got Carl 
from Maserati. Oh yeah, Maserati. I have a soft spot in my heart for Maserati. I know you do. Um, I really want a Levante, and I keep going around the houses about it. Like the last time I tried to buy another car in my family, I got smacked. Like I wasn't. <laughs> when I say smacked, it wasn't physically smacked. Smacked down verbally. I wanted to buy a Supra, Toyota Supra. Mm-hmm. I was told no. Well, Just right, a direct a little no. more than the Supra. What, money? Yeah. Yeah, like, but no, it depends what year you buy. I like. Calm the, down. There I are like Maseratis the who are very affordable. Mm-hmm. The Ghibli. The Ghibli is a very cool car. It is. It's one of my favorites. I'm a little more of a Levante guy myself, the SUV. That's because you have five dogs. Yeah, but that's not the reason, because they wouldn't be getting in my Levante. Just so <laughs> you know. There's no money poor is going to get on that Italian leather. No siri Not going to happen. Um, so I I would like a Levante, but I, I toyed with it. I'm sure I could, you know, like sell a bunch of my other cars and buy one and make an investment. I'm worried after I got smacked down about the Supra that I'm going to say, I'd like to get a Levante, and it would be like, yeah, but no. S- yeah, but see, just wait a little bit, and he'll forget about the Mach-E. Oh, yeah. Well, this, so I... Well, I did put two deposits down on Marquis. Mm-hmm. Deposit was a hundred percent refundable, five hundred dollars. And I'm thinking investment. I actually found someone who wanted to buy the first one off of me and offered me ten thousand above what I paid for it. Well, it's smart because you the first editions are gone. Yeah, the first edition. So it is a first. I have a first edition coming in a GT, and they're about a year and a half apart. Um, so I sort of got smacked down on uh, on uh, that, but. I did manage to convince my significant other to let me trade in my Mini John Cooper Works for another car in the summer. Oh, there um, you go. That I'm hoping that we'll go for a BMW 2 Series GT, maybe the M version. Just go for it. No, you don't understand. (laughs) You say just go for it, Jen. How would you fancy sleeping outside with the dogs in the rain? No, thank you. Mm. Not that the dogs sleep outside because they sleep in my bed because I'm weak. I was going to say you can sleep in a Levante. Got <laughs> enough room. Yeah, buy a Levante <laughs> and then have to live in it. <laughs> I could probably buy a house in Texas for what a Levante costs me. I know. Me. Oh, and then we can't forget about the Ionic. Yes, God. we're going to talk about that. It's another electric car. It's a very electric show today you've got going on. I New Ionic do. introduced at uh, the LA Auto Show. It's the same price, has increased range and uh, a facelift and some cool accoutrements. Plus, um, Anton Wallman's going to join us as well. We're going to talk about that new Hummer. Mm-hmm. The new GMC have decided to call their electric brand Hummer. Good, bad, wrong. I'm excited. Um, Hummer were known as these big gas-sucking, capable-go-anywhere vehicles. Uh, should you be calling your electric brand of GMC Hummer? Oh, interesting I'm, thought. I'm excited for it. It was either going to be a massive hit or it's going to hit the wall at high speed and crash and burn. We'll see. It, it's one of those ideas that's all or nothing. I tell you, I just I give them thanks and heads up, the fact that they're actually going for it, but I'm not completely... Yeah, but you should be excited. I'm excited about an electric vehicle. Because it has the name Hummer. You haven't even seen it. The grill is the only thing that's that's been shown. No. I, you're ex- so you're excited about an idea. What if you hate no. how it looks? Well, we'll have to wait and see. But I've always liked the Hummer design. Just telling you. Let's In just look at the look history. at Look at the, what was the SUV that they brought back recently? Which one? The Jimmy. Not the Jimmy. The, um, what was the other version of the Jimmy? Okay. Yeah. Well they, yeah. They brought, <laughs> GM brought another Blazer. The Blazer they brought back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It didn't look anything like the old Blazer. I know. 
Yeah, and so everyone was disappointed. All right, more coming up. We're going to talk Volvo XC40 on our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see our automotive videos, and read inside the car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com, as well as a new About page there, where you can actually go click on it, see what everybody looks like that you hear on the air. Some of them you, you don't hear on the air, but you read their stories online, um, and they're from all over the country. So there's a lot of different people on the website, and uh, some of them are prettier than others. I think I'm probably the prettiest, just looking at it. Uh, talking about brand new cars, uh, there is a new uh, Hummer been announced. GMC is turning its electric brand into Hummer, and uh, we've asked GMC if they'd come and attend the show and talk a little bit. It's kind of interesting because when you talk about something like a Hummer, of course, those big Hummers were gas-guzzling vehicles. They, they. I mean, the original one came in diesel. I think it had about three or four miles a gallon. It was. I, they had one at my local um, Ferrari dealer. It was. I think it was traded in by summer, uh, by someone. And uh, I got to sort of sit in it. And the original Hummer one, the one that Arnold Schwarzenegger was all uh, all about. And I was kind of interested. Uh, it it was a fairly expensive price. Originally, they sort of came in a truck and an SUV. Then they went to this Hummer 2 version of the vehicle. Uh, that was, I think, loosely based on a Suburban. And now there's a video. If you go to uh, our Facebook page, you can see it, Our Auto Expert. You can see the video of the new Hummer EV, uh, the electric Hummer. All they really show you is the grille. And apart from the headlights itself, which used to be block sort of square and then have a round headlight in sort of a square block, uh, the headlights have become this sort of LED oblong, uh, but the front is still pretty much that same Hummer grille. We want to three, four, five, six, seven openings uh, in the grille, and it looks similar to what you would have seen in an older Hummer. But... Uh, when they came out with a Blazer, it's nothing like the original Blazer. When G- GM did that recently, they, it was under the Chevy brand. They came back with a Blazer. I oh, know I re- actually do like the new Blazer. I think it's uh, extremely uh, expensive, but I think I really do like it. And Chevy have this tradition of giving you great discounts on the hood. So even though the vehicle may initially appear expensive, when you get into a dealer, they're always willing to wheel and deal with you on a new Chevy. So that's uh, that's kind of what that's GM's thing. Uh, they price the vehicles what they think they're valued at, and then they'll be more than happy to work with you and get you a discount uh, on the vehicle. So the new Hummer EV, all we know is what the front grille will look like. We also know that it'll be silent. Uh, General Motors have said that they're coming out with a whole bunch of new EV vehicles. They've been snapping up uh, third market EV companies uh, around the country to buy electric vehicles uh, and electric vehicle technology. And hopefully they'll, uh, you know, they'll have some interesting ones. I don't know if the new Hummer EV is going to look anything like uh, the original Hummer. However, uh, there is another EV that's available now on the market, and that is uh, the Volvo XC40, or available very shortly. It's the Recharge P8, and joining us on the phone is my pal Russell Datz from Volvo. Uh, so it's, it's a long time since we've talked, uh, Russell, and we've been anticipating the new XC40 Recharge P8 coming to market for a while. It's finally here. Yeah, it's going to be coming the end of this year, Nick. Uh, we introduced it uh, in October to the world, made an announcement that Volvo would be building its very first all-electric vehicle. It's going to be 
called the XC40P8, as in pure electric, recharge. Uh, and all of Volvo's electric and plug-in hybrid cars fall under the recharge moniker. So let me ask you a few questions about this, because Volvo is ahead of the curve for most automakers, talking about electrification of every one of your models eventually that will be on the market. Is this going to be a, a fight in its, its weight class? Is it going to knock the other guys out of the park? What, what can you tell us about the vehicle so far? Well, we think it's a Grand Slam home run. Uh, the XC40 has been a very popular vehicle for us from the very beginning. It uh, it won European Car of the Year, which is fantastic. And really, uh, from a, a visual standpoint, there's not much difference between the current car and the all-electric. A couple of uh, things you can identify as the uh, all-electric vehicle is a solid grill, a charge point, of course. And the very first application in a Volvo of uh, Android Automotive OS, which is fantastic step forward in uh, connectivity. So does that mean that all of the uh, the software in the car, all of the heads-up display runs on Android, or is it just uh, Android with your phone compatible? No, it's not just for the phone. It's actually the, the car that's going to be run through Android. So not only can you operate your phone with voice, but you can use Google Voice to operate the car itself. Um, I believe it is the first, well, the second car to have this uh, technology. The first one was the Polestar 2 which is coming to market very soon. Of course, Polestar is a sister company to Volvo. Uh, we're very excited about it. And, of course, the, uh, the price point, too, of the XC40 is very attractive, uh, under $48,000 after federal incentives. Well, that's a nice, uh, a nice uh, surprise because a lot of times, uh, especially luxury cars and performance cars like Vol Volvo, tend to be uh, expensive um, when you do lots of uh, high-end tech stuff with it. And so it's, that's a nice surprise of the price. Uh, I'm glad to see that you kept uh, your signature headlights as well. Yeah, the Thor's Hammer headlights have been really something special. Uh, you can see a Volvo coming from a mile away, quite literally, uh, and they fit in really well. Uh, the LED technology is highly visible. Our headlights get some of the best reviews from consumer review publications. And, of course, for the driver, they work well, too. Now, are numbers available of how far this will go? Uh, do you have estimates, or do you have a time when we will know all those numbers? Yeah, we're estimating over 200 miles of range. The EPA has not certified that yet. Uh, they will do that once we get closer to sale date, which is scheduled for fourth quarter of this year. Uh, are these going to be available uh, in the whole of the United States? Are you going to roll them out in certain states with looking to uh, electrifying the whole of America eventually? Well, we're taking hand raisers at our website, volvocars.com slash U.S. If you're interested, go there. And you can sign up to find out uh, where the cars will be available and when. That said, the first model year, 2021, uh, will be limited availability. So I'd say if, uh, if you're interested, uh, get your, throw your hat into the ring now. So let me ask you this, because one of the things that I've been most impressed with Volvo is the amount of customer service that you've been doing. Uh, you have Care by Volvo. You also have your uh, your program in which you basically take care of everything from top to bottom with uh, with a subscription model for Volvos. Is the XC40 P8 recharge going to fall in the same uh, category as the rest of the Volvos that offer that, or uh, are you going to? Is it going to be something that's subject to different rules? Well, we're still working through the go-to-market plan on that vehicle, uh, but I think it's a safe assumption to say that uh, the car will be 
uh, will fall in line with the rest of our offerings right now in terms of making it really easy to to get into a car. You know, our our goal now is to give people the freedom to move in safe, sustainable, and personal ways. And doing that through things like Care by Volvo, which is our subscription plan. You can just click subscribe and drive, literally go online, click a couple of buttons, put in your credit card number, and subscribe to a car. Uh, the nice thing about that is uh, it includes insurance and maintenance and uh, some wear and tear. And after 12 months, you can actually upgrade to a new car without uh, without any fuss. It makes it really easy. Uh, we are working on some other connectivity, or I should say convenience programs that make life a lot easier in a Volvo, whether it's our concierge service that helps with service so that uh, you can just make an appointment with your local retail. They come pick up your car, do the service, bring it back to your place of work, your home, whatever it might be. Uh, a few other things that we're experimenting with as well uh, to make things uh, really smooth. Um, limited lifetime parts warranty, which is a, uh, a program that if you bring a car in for a repair and it breaks again, Too, which means that uh, any time you need a tow, as long as you take Perfect. it to a Volvo retailer, uh, it's free. Russell Datz from Volvo talking about the new XC40 uh, P8 recharge. I'm excited, Russell. I'll look forward to, to driving it. It comes at the end of the year. More revolutions in electric vehicles. Still to come on our Auto Expert. We've got a packed show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about the fact that Washington, D.C. is going to have some driverless cars. Good or bad idea? That's coming up. You're listening to the R Auto Expert podcast. Jen and I are just having a moan at each other about traffic. She thinks uh, Washington D.C. has the worst traffic. That's right, sunlight. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> Send your microphone on, Jen. <laughs> D.C. traffic is insane. I do not complain about the traffic. I, I was just here. at the D.C. Auto Show. It wasn't that bad. Really? Yeah. Okay, and when did Here, you one drive? Of the things, one of the things, uh, well, I didn't drive at all. I had an Uber, <laughs> so, but I sat in traffic. So one of the things that I think is uh, bad about Washington, D.C., yeah. you found somewhere that says number one? No. According to Business Insider, yeah. Washington, D.C. is number two uh, out of all United States. Boston, Massachusetts is number one. Yeah, I haven't seen Boston on any other. I think it just depends how they do their judging. Hey, let's look at the which is the news, the latest one. The mo- worst traffic rank choke cities from Wired. This, this is the latest report on news that just came out. So is this ranks- one? Yeah, but wait in a second. It's news. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look. Okay. Oh, like silly ads. Go away, ads. Gosh. Why All do they I do can this? say is DC is pretty crazy. The only time it's a good time to drive in D.C. is probably after 10 o'clock right. <laughs> at night. <laughs> um, I drove from to both to and from both airport uh, to, from from uh, Reagan. No, to Reagan and from uh, the other one. What's the other one called? Dulles. Dulles. Yeah. And the Dulles one was at 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So it took me about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Uh, we didn't hit bad traffic at night, uh, but I tell you what was bad. Um, but the the Reagan was easy. I mean, that's only that's right in town. It's like twenty mm-hmm. minutes. I think it was like fifteen minutes or something. That's from, where I usually fly. From. But here's the deal: the lights in Washington are not well timed. First of all, there's fifty eight seconds you get to cross the street. 
58 seconds at the hotel I was staying at, which is right by the convention center. Mm -hmm. 58 seconds. That's a long time for a light to be red. There is a lot of Their lights of are not well-timed, timed, but they're not well-timed, just not well-timed. The lights are terribly timed. That's one of their problems. Mm -hmm. But this is the city that Uber have chosen to do uh, their new test of self-driving vehicles. Uh, they actually still have to have people in the vehicle, though, right? No. Nobody in the vehicle. Nope. Because it's gone so well in the past. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't think of a single instant where this hasn't worked out. Oh, wait. <laughs> yes, I can. Temp years. Yeah. yeah. That uh, I mean, they're, they're never going to when they're never going to live that down, unfortunately. So no. self-driving cars in Washington, D.C., you, you know, like Portland, Seattle, Chicago, other cities where we broadcast. What do you feel about it? Uh, you can talk to us about it on ourautoexpert.com or uh, send us a, a note uh, via social media on our Facebook, or Twitter, Instagram. I think ultimately that uh, self-driving cars are kind of a good idea, mm -hmm. but a bad idea, too. Um, I'm not worried about all the tech, the safety, all that. So that doesn't worry me. Uh, the fact is that there's there's just one person in the car. And that, that becomes a problem. So now you stick one person in a car and then that car has emissions. I mean, if it's electric vehicles, I kind of get it even more. Um, you know, what if something goes wrong, let's just say the vehicle breaks down, has a mechanical problem. Software issue, uh, accidentally hits a curb or something like that, or, or a cat runs out in front of it, whatever it might be. What, ha what is the response time for them, someone to be there to help you? That's what I might, because we have a driver in a, in a town car, a cab, or a bus. There's somebody there who's monitoring the situation and can call somebody else for help if something goes wrong. Well, it looks like they're actually going to have a driver for the first initial launch. Yeah, yeah. I think right now yeah, the, there's no way you can't have a driver. Right, because they're collecting t you know, data yeah. uh, so they can do their maps. I guess they had it was successful in Pittsburgh. but Pittsburgh, Did they have nobody in the car in Pittsburgh? Because I, I haven't seen a Uber driver where they have no one in the car at all. They usually have a guy sitting there that doesn't touch the steering wheel, um, those type of things. But do they have nobody in the car? I don't know. Uh, All I know is, yeah, D.C., a lot of people take Ubers anyways. I mean, I could see this is a positive, but it's also very dangerous. That's people, I don't, I, I can't explain it. I don't want to dog on It's DC. interesting. I, I, I hearken back to when we first had motorized vehicles. They weren't allowed to go over five miles an hour, and they had to have somebody walking in front with a red flag um, initially because to let people know it was a motorized vehicle. And we were super scared that if you went over five miles an hour, you would die. No, but... We know that's not true. Right. I mean, I've been over 200 miles an hour, and I'm still alive. <laughs> Partially. I mean, I'm not all of me is alive, but most of me is alive. So, you know, who knows? We're all scared of it now. It might be part of life. Just I'm saying. Not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but do you notice that... What, no, you do. Vehicles? You hate it. You hate it. No, I just think DC is unpredictable. Did you see uh, the vehicles they chose? Uh, Volvo. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's good. So Vol Volvo are very compatible with that sort of stuff. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys choosing Volvos. All right. Still to come on the show, the 2020 Maserati Levante. We're going to talk to Maserati. We're going to find out all about that. And um, see if I can talk them out of a car. Like one. Like a new Maserati. Probably not going to happen. Ghibli, Ghibli, Ghibli. Levante, silly girl. That's all <laughs> coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. 
Our auto expert is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can start a conversation with us, our auto expert. Just a direct link to the messenger and just put in our auto expert. We happy to answer all your questions. Excited I am, as Yoda would say, um, because there, um, I kind of have a soft spot in my heart, Jen, for Maserati. Who doesn't? Um, there is, <laughs> there is a friends of mine in Portland, Oregon, have the Maserati dealership, the Tonkins, Ron Tonkin, Gran Turismo. I had my photo shoot done down I there know. and with all the Maserati uh, stuff. So if you look through my headshots, um, there's all the different Maserati materials. And it's a good, but I, hey, listen, you, you should just go down and look at the cars. They may not let you do headshots down there, but, <laughs> but it's a great place to do that because there's so many beautiful materials. The, uh, the new GT Sport package is available for 2020 model year, plus some special additions. Uh, lots of cool Maserati is coming to market and joining us on the, on the phone is Carl DeBoer to talk about Maserati. He is the Maserati brand manager. So Maserati is the only car company, Carl, um, which Ferrari make the engines for. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Thanks so much, Nick. Yeah, happy to be on. And that's, that's true. We're, it's totally unique in the industry to be able to use Ferrari engines, uh, and we're very privileged to have that. I know one of the things that, uh, that your team always reminds me of at Maserati is that you make uh, really, you, you guys design the engines, but Ferrari makes them because you, you put the seal of approval on that. But it goes so much further than the performance. Uh, the vehicle has unbelievable Italian craftsmanship. And when you go through all the different models, but one thing that you can almost identify a Maserati in the dark from is that engine sound, that exhaust sound. It's uh, it's second to none in the industry. Absolutely. It's all about the exhaust sound. Our, our Italian engineers are very proud that they specifically engineer the sound of each Maserati uh, that we produce. So whether it's V8, V6, we, we engineer them all to have that quintessential, beautiful Italian Maserati sound. So something we're proud of. And, and obviously it, it, it comes as a combination of the partnership that Maserati has with Ferrari. So uh, proud of that, uh, that heritage and the passion that even the sound of our engines have. So uh, absolutely, we'd love to talk about that. Now, for 2020, uh, you guys have a new GT Sport package. What does that deliver in a Maserati that uh, wasn't delivered before? Yeah, so the GT Sport package, this is, uh, it provides our customers an enhanced uh, sporty and aggressive styling and, and appearance uh, that maybe they, they don't want to step all the way up to our Grand Sport trim. We'll provide them that look and, and stance uh, for uh, reduced MSRP, and, and it gives them unique wheels, uh, painted brake calipers with our signature Maserati script. Uh, just looks stunning in red, blue, or black on the Levante, Ghibli, or Quattroporte. And then um, you also get with that, for the first time ever on a package for Maserati, the Grand Sport front and rear fascia. So it just gives a very uh, sporty and aggressive styling to the front and rear end and then all the appointments to match. Um, so, yeah, the GT Sport package is something we're excited to, uh, to announce new for 20 Mod here. 
I like the idea of this high high gloss piano black wood trim, which is one of the things that you offer on the vehicle as well. So not only does it look the the part from the outside, but you've kind of uh, made it look the part from the inside as well. Absolutely, yeah, it just looks beautiful uh, when you get in one of these Ghiblis and uh, and or Fuentes uh, and see that beautiful real piano black wood trim. Uh, it's absolutely stunning. The mirror gloss finish. Um, again, it's it's part of that Italian craftsmanship that we uh, have in all of our vehicles. So uh, the GT Sport package on the Ghibli Quattroforte comes with that beautiful wood interior, and uh, it just adds to the, the panache, the passion, uh, and just the experience of Maserati. It, you know, you probably shouldn't lollygag around if you're thinking about buying one of these or you're thinking about adding it to your car collection because I noticed the one thing that Maserati are, are quite famous for doing is limited numbers of these vehicles, limited editions. Uh, uh, when you do special paint jobs, when you did uh, the the paint job for the Nürburgring, the Nürburgring-style uh, gray that you did in, in several, or you do some of those things in your vehicles, then you limit that number. Are you limiting the number of GTs? Uh, so the GT Sport package is actually available for order right now. We're we're not limiting the number there, um, but I do want to touch on a, a new limited series that we just announced in beautiful Crested Butte, Colorado, uh, if I may. So the new Edizione Rebelle is this limited 225-unit production series that we're doing. Uh, we just announced it to select media out in Colorado. Uh, for the 2020 mod year, it's actually available on all three models, the Levante, Ghibli, and Quattroporte. And it features this beautiful uh, Nero Rebelle mica paint, uh, just uh, a very subtle uh, metallic fleck involved in it. And on the interior, you have a dedicated badge with the Rebelle logo and then two-tone red and black seats. Um, so Rebelle means rebel in Italian. So we'd like to say that this kind of harkens back to the rebellious nature of both our founders and of our customers. So our, our clients are typically entrepreneurs, small business owners, people who like to stand out from the sea of sameness, as we like to say. And uh, so that's why we created this special limited production series. Uh, that one will be limited. The GT Sport package is open to the public, to whoever wants to order it. But the, uh, the and I'm glad you said it, Edizione Rebelle, is that how you say it? Correct. Oh, wow. Yes. God, first time. Rebel edition. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everything is Italian. <laughs> Uh, so the 225 of those, uh, and presumably you can go ahead and pre-order. I think the other thing is, too, that I, I wanted to touch on, apart from the Italian craftsmanship, the sound, the performance, the driving, one of the things that, uh, that Maserati has is a very deep depth of their vehicles. The vehicles actually have many layers and it takes a long time for you guys to get somewhere with something because it's all done exactly to plan. It's crafted to plan. Even when you choose a name for the vehicle, it has a supported meaning like Levante, of course, which was named after a road, right? Uh, so Levante actually is, is named after a Mediterranean wind. A wind, so, that's Levante right. Yeah, so so back in our, our you know, obviously Maserati, and, and for those of your listeners who maybe not know, uh, but Maserati's over 100 years old, founded by four brothers in Italy, 
and a lot of our models over time have been named after famous winds. So right. uh, Ghibli, for example, is actually a North African desert wind. The Levante uh, refers to a Mediterranean wind that basically goes from from nothing to gale force in an instant, in a moment. Um, so, uh, yeah, naming convention is, is very fun for us, uh, but obviously with, with everything, we take our time. We craft a vehicle. It takes time to do that. We think of names, and it takes time to do that. Uh, it's just something special that we offer. Yeah, and the, the other thing I was also love about it is um, I was lucky enough to drive uh, vehicles of yours in uh, Monte Carlo a couple years ago, and one of the things that I'm super impressed with about the vehicles is the, the handling and performance. They are so luxurious on the inside, the leather, the uh, even to the seats being more comfortable than any other uh, vehicle I've sat in. But the the fact is the performance is, is there, and you drive it up camp Canyon roads, you're always actually astounded about how fast it goes, how well it drives. Uh, it not only looks the part and sounds the part, but it actually does the part as well. Absolutely. So that uh, it's it's cool to look at the Levante Trofeo, which we launched recently, for example, which has zero to sixty time of three point seven seconds. This beautiful uh, Ferrari V8, five hundred ninety horsepower, but. The- Grand Lusa trims, we have an exclusive partnership with uh, Zenia, which is a, a very famous design house in Italy, and we are the first manufacturers to actually put silk interiors, combine that with leather, so we have Zenia designer silk and leather interiors in some of our models, so it's, it's that perfect combination of sportiness and luxury. And that's where we like to say that Maserati Falls is that perfect expression of both luxury and sportiness. Named after a, a race car family, uh, but the actual uh, sort of the foundation of Maserati is in, in the race cars as well, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So it all um, started as far as the, the automobiles go uh, back in 1914, but then the Maserati brothers won the first race that they entered in 1926 in the Targa Florio, this very uh, famous Italian race on the island of Sicily. And it was Alfieri for uh, Maserati who won that race in our 1926 uh, Tipo 26 Maserati. So throughout the years, very famous racing history, have won Formula One races, Indy 500s, Targa Florio. Uh, so we, we reach back into the past the inspiration for the future there's nobody else in the industry that actually has a grill the same as maserati either so that that grill (laughs) is very unique and the trident is unique on the front of the grill um uh, do we still do we call it a trident or am i am i misspeaking there still no absolutely it's it's the trident i couldn't agree more it is uh it's one of my favorite grills actually when i was in uh high school it's funny to look back at some of the notebooks i have sketching maserati grills back then before i even knew that i would work for maserati uh so yeah you're right it's it's that totally aggressive but yet beautiful and elegant italian styling at the front um and you're right about the trident so that actually comes from a sketch that mario maserati did another one of the brothers he was an artist and he got inspiration for the logo for maserati from this uh, statue of neptune in this piazza in Bologna, where they were based. And so that's the kind of genesis, if you will, of 
the whole Maserati logo and this very iconic trident that stands at the center of our brand. All right, tell me when uh, when this this new uh, Maserati the Rebel is going to be a uh, Rebelle is going to be on sale and uh, and and what you should do if you want to order one. Absolutely. So the Edizione Rebelle, uh, the 225 units will be delivered to first customers in March of this year. Um, so I'd encourage uh, your listeners and those people who would like one of these special series vehicles to go down to their local dealership, uh, ask them about the limited production uh, vehicle, and they'll be able to secure one through your dealership. I think also one of my favorite things about it is uh, in the middle of the seat in the Levante, uh, I think there's a button right in the middle of the seat, and I was bemused by what this actually did, and I think it adjusts the pedals. I played with that for hours because <laughs> I'm only five foot four, my friend, and it uh, it always helps me when I can get in a car, uh, Carl, and I can adjust the pedals because that way uh, I can, you know, I like to be right up on the steering wheel, and I also like to do a lot of mm, accelerating and braking perhaps, so that always helps me. Uh, listen, thanks, well, there you go. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, we've uh, we've actually had a good time talking to you, and I I'm looking at pictures now. I get distracted. What happens is we have they they post links of these cars into our uh, into our script, and I start looking at pictures and get absolutely lost. And they are absolutely beautifully designed. And uh, I've driven the the GTS. Uh, that's been absolutely fantastic. What, what's the matter, Jen? They're just, beautiful cars. <laughs> I just want to let everybody know if you want to listen to the engine, go to MaseratiUSA.com, and you can click a button and you can. The sound is is second to none. Carl, thanks very much. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. More to come. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Are you thinking about changing your car? Read some of our reviews at Our Auto Expert. Our most informative car reporting to see. You can also see some of our videos, uh, the newest tech, the latest cars. You can even download uh, this very show, the Nation's Car Radio Podcast at OurAutoExpert.com. Um, Jen, if you were going to not buy a truck, which your truck girl, Jen, mm-hmm. what would you buy? A sports car. Would you? Oh, yeah. Well, you have a Camaro, too, don't you? Mm-hmm, I do. All right, let's take Camaro off and take a truck off. Now what you buy? <laughs> Something with a really big engine. Like a V8? Yeah, bigger. There's not that many V8 sports cars left. No, but there's V12s. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you had V12 money, Jen. No, but I could figure it out. If I was if recently, you got rid of all my other vehicles as well. I've been in Miami three times this month. Mm-hmm. See a lot of and, V12s? Uh, no, no, no more than usual. I mean, Miami yeah. has a lot of nice cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami is definitely a car culture. Uh, I The first time I went to Miami was for the, uh, the Hyundai Venue which is their smallest SUV, starts at $17,350. It's a cute vehicle. It is really nice. Gets a huge thumbs up. They're very aggressive with the pricing. Um, it's going to just wallop the competition. I think it's going to wallop the competition, the new Hyundai Venue. Mm-hmm. Went back to drive the electric Mini, mm-hmm. um, which you can also see my video at msn.com. No, and that's a cutie, too. Me or the Mini? The, well, of course, both. But the Mini, oh, I, I really like the Mini. Um, the electric mini, it, it does 110 miles on a single charge, which is a lot less than uh, a lot of people uh, feel comfortable with. But it's supposed to be just your around town. It takes, I think, 38 minutes to recharge 80% on a 50 kilowatt That's really uh, good. charger. 
um, which is pretty quick. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go to a public charging station, you know, 30, 40 minutes, you'd be in the grocery store. It's not meant for long hauls. It's dashing around town. Oh, my goodness me. Fun to drive. <laughs> Minis have always been fun to drive. Go-kart type handling, really speedy, fun. The Mini Electric was great. And I just went back to Miami last week to uh, see the unveiling of the new Genesis GV80. And this is actually a revolutionary vehicle. It's Genesis's first SUV. It's quite revolutionary because it's rear-wheel drive, and a lot of the Asian competition, Lexus, uh, those guys, they have front-wheel drive. This is a rear-wheel drive. So it's a direct competitor to the BMW X5. Um, it's going to start around $50,000. Well, hey, it's got some very new technologies that are not in any other vehicle. It has road noise cancelling system in it that stops the road noise coming into the car, not just padding, but it has a special technology to do that. It has a floating driver's seat, which has seven airbags actually in the seat that are inflated. And so you feel like you're riding on air. Mm. That's kind of cool. That's interesting. It has some really cool uh, lighting features. It has diamonds in the lights, in the wheels, in the grill. It's sort of diamond shape everywhere. It is truly going to be a massive winner. And it was just really nicely put together, the GV80. Now, did they keep the name logo when you open the door? Do you still see the Genesis on the ground? Yes, I think they did. I love that. But they've also got rid of the Genesis winged logo on the car a lot of times. It just actually says Genesis across the back. That's Mm. the new fashion, you know, in luxury cars is to have the brand name. Land Rover have done it across the hood for a long time. Range Rover across the hood for a long time. Now everybody's doing the name across the back or the front of the car. And no, no, not so logo-y. Yeah, this now the European version that they're showing shows the little logo just on the very tip top of the. Hood. I think it does have that, but the, on the back it has Genesis written across the back of the big letters. Back of the yeah, like Land Rover. Here was the problem though. So it's obviously the this when I went down there, the the Super Bowl was sort of going on in um, Miami, mm-hmm. and uh, I could hardly get close to the car because of all the football players. Everybody was there. Lamar this, da-da-da. I didn't know who any of them were. Football, kidding me? Huh? Uh, yeah, they were all, like, hanging out. Are you out. serious? Yeah. And yeah. You, are you just now telling me this? Oh, because you're... I, okay. Because I what? I what? don't know if there's any Steelers down there. It doesn't yeah. matter. I still know players. Let me just tell you. <laughs> so the fashion... Are we getting off cars here for a second, but it's worth talking about. Yeah. The fashion with football players is to wear these suits. And the pants of the suits are like Lululemon pants. Um, so that they look they look really nice, mm-hmm. but they hug the body. And mm-hmm. you see this guy walk down the street, you could see every muscle in his legs move and his buttocks. And that's a problem, why? <laughs> it's not, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's a great thing. Yeah, you know, it's like. You got it, flaunt it. Yeah, they were, they, these guys are so, they're not that big either. A lot of them are very, very small guys, uh, mm. but ooh, they are fit. And they, of course, were crowding the car, taking pictures with it. Everyone was taking pictures of them. A bunch of the auto journalists trying to get their pictures of the car. And, and this guy goes, hey, could, could, could my client just jump in here and take a quick photo? And they're like, no. Who is he? <laughs> so there was, a, you know, there was a lot of people doing that. Mm-hmm. It was a clash of cultures. That's um, good. It was interesting. Though, there's probably about six or seven uh, big-time you know, NFL players there at the launch all taking pictures with the car. It looks, I have to tell you, it looks very rolls Royce. The new GV80. It has that feeling of Cullinan. A really? Because yeah. I was going to say, I it's was a small, much BMW. smaller. No, I mean BMW is its direct competition, but it looks very. It, it has that feeling, that look of the Rolls Royce Cullinan. Uh, because Ooh. start at fifty thousand dollars, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's totally ridiculous. Well, it's, you know, 
I wouldn't spend fifty thousand dollars on an SUV. I'd put it down on a race car. <laughs> yeah, but Jen, you're weird. <laughs> I am weird. That's why you like me. Um, when you get dogs, which you'll eventually get, I know. Nope, I got cats. You'll, yeah, but you'll eventually get dogs. Yeah. Anyways. Well, but I had a good. I mean, it, it's a beautiful car. It is. Um, go, I think coming on sale towards the end of the year. By the way. Summer 2020. Yeah, so I suspect it'll be, you can order it now. Yeah. I suspect you'll start to see them in dealers, you know, August, September, October, November, somewhere yeah, around there, just depending on uh, how popular it is. They, they had lots of orders when they introduced it in Korea, so I'm going to guess they're going to lots of orders here. Hmm. It's hard because I want so many new cars. Yeah, I'm so fickle about cars. I just sit here going, oh, that, ooh, something shiny, ooh, something shiny, ooh, something shiny, and I just want to own all of them. Really? Yep. <clears throat> Look at the amount of cars I buy. I bought three cars this year. Okay, the problem is, though, is that you're in the perfect position. See, you get them, you drive them, and then you can give them away and get a I, new one. I can give them away? Well, back to the... You think I'm made Back of money? to the manufacturers. No, oh. I'm talking about when well, they Well, I do test drive cars. Yeah. Yeah, but that's different. I want to own them. Yeah, but why? I want to be as material as the next person. But I want why? to own it because I can. Because you can give them back and give them brands. I live in a cardboard box, but I have a brand new, yeah, hat, he does a brand new car. He's a nice uh, house. The 2020 Ionic, <laughs> a new electric car from Hyundai. That's coming up. We'll talk about that on our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northeast to the southwest. This is America's Car Radio Show. It has a throttle. We'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, who finally is breaking down and interested in electric vehicles. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit? Just a little bit. Plug her in, everybody. <laughs> Jen, revolutionary news. Jen, interested in electric vehicles. One of those that you should be interested in is the... Uh, there is a very, very sexy new um, Hyundai Ionic. Yes, they're beautiful. Actually, um, I've been talking to my parents about them. Oh, electric. They would. So it comes in many different flavors. Well, why am I telling you about this? I know this. Uh, my, uh, <laughs> Michael Ivanoff is on the phone. He's the senior manager of product planning from Hyundai uh, to talk about the new Ionic. Uh, Ionic comes in a bunch of different flavors, doesn't it, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. For uh, for 20 mile year, we've done you know some updates. The car originally launched uh, in 2016. And at the time, it was the first vehicle to have, you know, three unique powertrains. Um, you've got the hybrid, you've got the plug-in hybrid, and then you've got the full EV. So those carryover, obviously, in a 20-model year, we made some enhancements to the full EV, uh, some styling, some safety changes and everything. But, yeah, you can have three different flavors of, you know, whatever suits your needs the best. I have to ask you, that now. obviously, you were originally the company to do this, but some, some other company may have followed suit. Are they copycats? Um, I think, yeah, we were the first one to do it. So, you know, we want to give the consumers, um, you know, what fits best because, you know, it, it, we've, everybody's kind of grown with these as they get more range and, you know, range anxiety was always a big deal. So you want to give as many options as possible and what works best for you. I think the most impressive news that uh, I think at LA Auto Show is where you first introduced the new 2020 Ionic. The most impressive news about it was you made quite a few improvements for 2020 on the uh, electric version, but you didn't change the price. Uh, we just announced pricing. Pricing did actually go up a little bit because there's a lot more safety features included, um, like forward collision avoidance assist. Um, there is a larger battery. There is more range. Um, went up to 170 miles from 124 miles. Um, so, you know, we got fast charging available or standard actually. Um, so, and then, you know, just 
on the outside, the exterior was, was enhanced a little bit, but there's a lot of changes on the interior. The whole dash pad, the center stack. Um, usually at a, at a mid-life cycle refresh like this, you don't do much with the interior. Um, but in typical Hyundai fashion, we went in and changed a, a significant amount of the, uh, of the dashboard and the uh, center stack itself. I was there in, uh, in Utah when you guys introduced the, I think, the Elantra. The new, uh, was it the Elantra you unveiled during a surprise unveil for us? Uh, I know, yes. I think I got 100,000 views uh, just filming it on my cell phone, which was kind of <laughs> interesting. But one of the things yeah. I learned there, which was really interesting, was how expensive it is to change the shape in a mid-cycle refresh. Even uh, you, on, that, on that vehicle, you had changed uh, some stuff, but even it's millions and millions and millions of dollars as soon as you uh, decide even to, just to change maybe a fender. Yeah, that, that Elantra, especially because I work on Elantra as well, that was a significant refresh with all, I basically just the doors and some of the rear quarter panels. Um, you know, the whole front clip was changed, uh, some of the interior parts as well. And so typically we, Hyundai is, is pretty good about, you know, they're going at the, at the mid-life cycle and, and really change. And you know, we listen to consumers and we listen to the market um, and we're not afraid to, to make drastic changes if we, if we feel it's, you know, necessary or, or you know, benefits the, the demand. All right, let's talk about the uh, um, Ionic uh, plug-in, the, the electric version of it. So we went, you, you talked about the mileage going up uh, as far as what it could do mileage-wise. Uh, is, is now, are we now in a range where people are, are super comfortable with around 170 miles? Is this what the public want? Is this they, where they want to be? Because range anxiety was always an issue with cars. Yeah, I think we're getting there. Uh, 170 miles, you're, you're you're pushing. You know, you're getting to a point where people can feel comfortable. Um, we've got the Kona Electric, which is which is even more. Uh, I think it's up mid 200s. Um, so, but that's a lo- little bit larger car, so it's got a you know a larger battery. Um, but yeah, I think we're definitely getting there. You, kind of the sweet spot too is in the middle with the plug-in hybrid, because um, you can get uh, 29 miles all electric range, but then you've got the gasoline engine. I actually drove one myself for about six to eight months. And uh, I was getting like 1,400 miles out of a tank of gas. I was lucky enough to where my commute from work back to home and back was literally like 28 miles. So I was using all electric, you know, to get to commute. And on the weekends, I could use the gas. Engine. I have so to tell that's you, why I say we got different versions. I have to tell you, Michael. So just to give you a little background, because <laughs> you don't know you don't know the show that well, but. Jen, my my co-host here, is all about trucks. She loves big trucks, this sort of thing, and she's kind of sort of getting a little bit interested in electric cars, but she's not sure. When you mentioned the amount of distance you got on a single tank of gas, she was like, (laughs) it was immediate attention grabber. That's that's outrageous because I have to fill up, you know, almost twice a week in my truck. Yeah, see, it's expensive, right? But imagine being able to. This is the one reason that people are so excited about electric vehicles, especially plug-in hybrids too, because you can do. So, how far is your commute to work every day, Jen? Um, it's about half an hour. Right now, that how far? That's not not how long. Thirty-seven miles. Thirty miles, right? So, did you say, Michael, it does twenty-nine miles on a single charge? On a single charge, yeah. Yeah, so imagine you could probably just about get to work on a you charge. You see, that scares me. That's why I like the hybrid better. No, but you could get to work. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the plug-in hybrid. Uh-huh. All right, so you could get to work. You could maybe flip over to gas for the last mile or whatever. Find somewhere to plug it in at Coast work. to work. You could, you could find somewhere to plug it in at work. So you remember the gas engine kicks mm-hmm. in for the last mile. Plug it in at work and then drive at home electricity. It would cost you half the price. Except for coming here. No, well, listen, I you drive, you're not, are you ever going to get rid of your trucks? No, never. No, see, you yeah. could drive your truck to work. <laughs> well, I get the hybrid station. version. I like the hybrid. Oh, these brand new 2020 Ionics, <laughs> when do they go on sale? 
the hybrid and the plug-in hybrid are on sale now. Uh, they have been for about a couple a month or two, I think. And the full electric is just getting to dealers now, so it's just going on sale as we speak. We just announced pricing, I think, last week. And one of the things that um, I have to tell you was a jaw dropper for me was the new Sonata uh, driving yeah. in and out of the garage with the uh, the key fob. Um, it's I think I have like uh, you know nearly a hundred thousand views just on my Facebook video alone of that. Uh, you've always been well known at Hyundai for doing groundbreaking tech. Does the Ionic have uh, a lot of tech on the inside? Yeah, definitely a lot of tech. Uh, unfortunately, not remote smart parking assist like on Sonata, but um, we've upgraded the the, the head units uh, with seven inches before. Now it's eight inches. That's standard. Obviously, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. And then the navigation you can get that's available is our new 10.25-inch navigation, same one that you wow. experienced uh, in Sonata, the widescreen, which gives you the ability to, you know, uh, split screen, so, you know, a lot of information there. All the, the Hyundai Smart Sense, all the safety equipment is standard, even, like, uh, smart cruise control with stop-and-go capability, um, just a lot of technology, wireless charging. I can go on and on, but, yeah, it's it's feature and what I like about the car especially is the, it's the efficiency, but it's also, it's just, there's no compromise. I mean, it's got great cargo capacity with the hatchback. Uh, interior is very comfortable. Seating for five, no problem. It's, it's a real no compromise uh, solution if you want to go the most efficient way possible. I think one of the things that uh, I... Uh, a lot of people overlook is the fact that you have Blue Link, which is absolutely a, a beyond amazing piece of equipment as well. Is that available mm -hmm. in the Ionic? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we find our statistics, the remote start, um, but it's not only just remote, remote starts the most possible or most um, um, popular feature for it, but you can also set the temperature. Uh, some of the vehicles, you even turn on and off heated seats or heated steering wheels, so you can really fine-tune it. But, yeah, you can always be connected with your car with um, you know via Blue Link. And Blue Link also available from your smartwatch as well, which I thought was yes. n no one yes. else is starting their car from their smartwatch. It's like yep. uh, I, I think of those 1960s spy movies when you talk to your watch and expect a gadget or one of those things. Say, hey, smart. hey, Blue Link, start my car. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And it's not, it's the, the right phone. temperature. The shoe phone. Remember? The shoe, yeah. Get smart. Wait, yeah. when's Hyundai coming out with a shoe phone? <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're working on it. Maybe uh, <laughs> sometime in the near future. Uh, I know you've got a lot of news coming up at the Chicago Auto Show as well. Yep. Uh, the Ionic yep. presumably will be on display there. And uh, starting price for each uh, different flavor? For the hybrid, uh, hybrid starts at 23200 The wow. plug-in hybrid starts at 26500 And the EV starts at 33045 so over $33,000. Are there still tax credits available for some of these? Yes, there are. All right, look at that Absolutely. discount from the yep. government and the state, yep. and you can get them starting at uh, mid twenties. It's excellent, yep. uh, Michael. Thanks for spending your uh, your Saturday with us and uh, Sunday yep. with us and your weekend uh, giving it up to talk about the brand new twenty twenty Ionic. You want to find out more? Go to Hyundai's website. You want to see our reviews of the Ionic? You can go to ourautoexpert.com and see some of our videos. More to come, including Anton Warman, our auto expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at the website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Joining us on the phone, as he does every week, Anton Warman, independent analyst and investor. You could read the majority of his stuff at the street or Seeking Alpha. Anton, reports have finally been analyzed for uh, Tesla. Their financial results are in. What are we seeing? 
Well, so there's some conflicting interpretation of what these things mean, and therein resides the controversy. So the people who are more bullish on the story point to the fact that the company did on paper print yet another ultra-tiny profit of just over $100 million. On the other hand, that was specifically $105 million. The people who are more bearish on the situation point out that this is still a very, very small amount that was actually down from where it has been in previous time periods. Specifically, if you add together just to compare and to smooth out the comparisons, you just take the last two quarters combined, the third quarter and the fourth quarter to give a you know more fair picture of where the trend line is after the company reached its, its so-called cruising altitude when it started delivering the Model 3, not just in North America, but also in Europe and Asia during the first half of 2019. So once we get beyond the midpoint of 2019, it really starts to smooth out these anomalies of not having, uh, you know, delivered this car globally versus having done so. So if you make that comparison, the revenue the company actually reported was down 3% and their profit level was down 45%. So those are not very impressive numbers for a company which is being valued like an extreme growth company. That's the issue. You know, a lot of times you look at uh, profit margin versus growth because growth can be offset. I mean, you can you can manufacture growth, uh, but it can cost you a lot of money uh, in your profits to manufacture that much growth. So why are the profits down such a huge amount? Well, so what has happened over the last year is that the sales mix that the company has has shifted to their less expensive products. So if you go back in time, uh, before the Model 3, the two products the company had that it was shipping in volume were the Model X and the Model S, and they start you know somewhere in the high 70s and up from there. Uh, then the Model 3 came in, and initially when selling the Model 3, they tended to be the more expensive configurations that started in the high 50s and into the 60s, and over time, the company worked itself down to selling more and more of the models that were in the low to mid-40s, which is sort of where the uh, typical price is today of a Model 3 in many cases. So when you're selling less expensive models, then both the revenue and often also the profit margins start to go down, even if you sell more of them. And mind you, Tesla delivered a record number of cars in the fourth quarter, 112,000 cars, which was a record number, but you sell more cars, but you're selling them at lower average prices and at lower profit margins. That's what's been going on here recently. Let's uh, talk about the future for them. Uh, Taking a look at what we've seen in the reporting, does the future look like it's going to change? A new truck on the horizon, a new Model uh, Y on the horizon. Is that going to reverse? Are they going to be further into the black or not? Well, so the opinions on this uh, vary greatly here as well. The people who are more bullish on the situation believe that in the very near future, the Model Y will add to the company's sales level and to their profit level by essentially starting deliveries here just in the next um, seven or so weeks, uh, which is when they expect to start uh, delivering uh, the Model 3 here uh, near the end of uh, March. But if you are more negative on the situation, you might make the argument that most of the Model Y vehicles that you will be selling are to people who simply would have bought 
Model 3 instead. So, yes, you're selling a new Model Y, but you're selling that at the expense of otherwise having sold a Model 3. So, uh, will there be a net gain to the company here? So, the answer is there will be a net gain to the company, but maybe not nearly as much as the optimistic project projections would uh, would tend to hope for. And that is because, um, you know, clearly in, initially the Model Y will also sell some of the more expensive configurations. And the product itself is, uh, just for starters, at least about 10% more expensive. So, yeah, they'll make a little bit more money from the Model Y from a revenue standpoint. Uh, but also keep in mind when you're starting to deliver a product in the beginning, you're also doing it often at a lower margin just because of the initial uh, product inefficiency. So they may cancel each other out here in the near term. All right. And Tom Allman, independent analyst and investor, we're going to continue after the break and talk about GMC's announcement that it will have a new electric brand. The name is well known. It is Hummer. But does that going to translate smoothly from a big, huge, gas-guzzling SUV to an electric vehicle? Well, listen to what Anton has to say and look at the predictions for other things like Jeep Gladiator, now with huge discounts on the hood, coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Are you thinking about a new or changing vehicle? Uh, you could read some of our informative car reports at Our Auto Expert. You can see videos, you can find out about the newest tech, the latest car information, even download the nation's car radio podcast. This is it, ourautoexpert.com. On the phone with an Anton Warman, independent analyst and investor. He writes for The Street and Seeking Alpha. You can read some very insightful articles there. So big news in the GM uh, house, I guess, this week. Uh, something we kind of knew was going to happen anyway, but it's getting the public's reaction now. GMC announcing the all-electric Hummer EV, which will be unveiled May 20th and enter production for the second half of 2021. Uh, is this a good idea, or did they take something that was gas guzzling and big and try and turn it into something EV um, and maybe a lost cause there? Well, Nick, I think we need to go back in history just to give the proper historical background here. The Hummer was a brand that eventually General Motors took over. It was basically producing cars for civilian consumption starting in 1992 and ended that in conjunction with the General Motors bankruptcy in 2009, uh, basically mostly for political pressure purposes than anything else. And, uh, of course, when GM came out of bankruptcy there shortly thereafter, uh, what they should have done was to bring back the Hummer brand very, very quickly because what has transpired here over the last decade is that sales of big, burly SUVs have been hotter than ever. Uh, look at the Mercedes G, which, despite being $125,000 and up, is still going strong and selling well. Look at uh, the Jeep Wrangler, a retro-looking uh, SUV. Look at uh, the Toyota 4Runner, which is an ancient vehicle, but it's still selling like hotcakes. What people want is something that is uh, uh, very militaristic, very off-road worthy, very retro. And of course, the Hummer would have fit this better than anything. So now what GM is doing is finally making the smartest decision I've seen GM make in many, many years, if not decades. And that is, yes, they are bringing the Hummer brand back. They're bringing it under out as a um, sub-brand to GMC, so it'll be sold in GMC dealerships, 
And the first vehicle they will offer appears to be an all really shown a lot of details about it so we don't know if it's more going to be like a large suv or more like a pickup truck but either way the one does not preclude the other they are not mutually exclusive so we may over time see more than one one variant but they will certainly show the first variant here on may 20th and enter production in the second half of 2021 with initial u.s deliveries to begin supposedly by December of 2021, and this will be a monster, a thousand horsepower, zero to six to six in three seconds. I have no earthly clue why you would want to go in such a, a tank, uh, zero to six in three seconds. It would scare the living daylights out of me, and probably the G-forces would cause uh, uh, nausea in me as well. But uh, nevertheless, these will be the impressive capabilities here, and uh, I could not possibly be more bullish and impressed by the fact that GM finally made a really, really sound decision here and are bringing back uh, the Hummer nameplate. We have some stats on the vehicle. We have a few stats on the vehicle, but we only know what the grill's going to look like, and that was released along with the other information. It resembles the original Hummer grill. The headlights are different, but the actual grill, the slats in the grill, look very Hummer-esque. But let me go jump back to GM's history and look at some things, or some not just GM, but other car companies. They brought the Blazer back. The Blazer is nothing like the original Blazer. It's more of a performance SUV, more of a high-end two-row SUV. Uh, the same thing with Lincoln. They bring back. They brought back the Corsair, which is uh, very different from the original Corsair. I think it was a Ford. It was a it was a sedan. Now it's an SUV, a small SUV, about the same size as the Escape. So names just seem to play on our history maybe they don't have anything to do with the original vehicle is there any indication apart from the performance numbers that this is going to be a big suv no i think that uh, these have been clearly hits and misses i mean uh, blazer is uh, uh, certainly a good vehicle but i think people were disappointed given what the nameplate had been in the past i think ford is going to now bring out rather imminently the Bronco which uh, from everything we've seen uh, seems to be like it's going to be a major hit because I think that it will not have made uh, the kind of mistakes that one might have feared so I think in the case of uh, the Hummer we simply don't know yet but the first picture that they released here the front of the vehicle I think it's more promising than not I think they probably realized that they cannot make the Hummer into being something that people think it wasn't. In other words, I think what they really need to do is to uh, have some semblance to what it was in the past, and uh, hopefully they will not uh, make a mistake in that development and in that design. So I think I have to be a little bit more bullish than not at this point in time. Uh, let's let's talk about you know the idea that uh, perhaps it's going up close to a Tesla uh, truck. You have to think about this and think about this carefully. Uh, a lot of times when uh, GMC has come out with vehicles, they've only been I can't think of any time they've ever had anything that wasn't uh, an SUV or a truck. So they're always going to be SUVs or trucks. Uh, they've always done well in the upper echelon. It's kind of a luxury Chevrolet brand, but on the truck and SUV side so that indicates to us that this could possibly be a truck or a big SUV at the same time but we don't have anything apart we don't have weight or size all we have is those performance numbers one would think that uh, in the big scheme of things 
this is going, if it's an SUV, it's going to resemble a, the dimensions of a Chevy Tahoe. In other words, a GMC Yukon, you know, 80 inches wide, you know, 210 inches long and roughly the same height. I mean, that's what, that's what one, I mean, the, the car couldn't be, the vehicle couldn't be any wider than that. And I think those are the dimensions at least that would make some sense. But I think the advantage that GM brings to the table here is that America is physically a very, very large country. And there are all of these little towns and nooks and crannies uh, in what we uh, cheerfully call flyover country and the Rocky Mountains and the snow belt and so forth, where you know, many of the competitors simply aren't present, but you will still have a dealer from either Ford or GM or Fiat Chrysler with the Ram and Jeep brands in particular. And if you live out in those areas, uh, you're not going to be as likely to take a chance on any of these little startups that don't have the dealer networks in these areas. So if you're Ford or GM or maybe even an FCA brand, you clearly have the advantage there of being able to offer service and repair all the way out in these uh, Rocky Mountain areas. I mean, you can imagine a place like an Aspen, Colorado, where there are a lot of uh, well-heeled buyers that would have bought a Hummer or very expensive vehicles uh, otherwise. But if you can't get them serviced there locally, well, then that's a huge hassle. So uh, this could be an enormous advantage for GM if they play uh, their uh, cards right. Let's uh, move on to talking about Jeep. Now, the Gladiator looked like a good idea when it came out. It hit all the right buttons. It checked all the right boxes. It was a vehicle that won the North American Truck of the Year. It looked all on the up and up, but Jeep were pushing much harder than I thought they should have been at the launch to get people interested in the vehicle. And now it appears they're offering cash to get people interested. That's right. So everybody loved them. I loved them as much as anybody. I think it was kind of my vehicle of the year for uh, for the year 2019, and it looks fantastic. I just absolutely I could not love it anymore. And the problem was, I think that they came out with this vehicle, offering it in kind of configurations that were mostly skewed to the higher end, and they they were pretty generous, sort of uh, with their uh, with their MSRP, their list price before before discount. So. Now I think that's coming back to haunt them a little bit, and they're putting a lot of cash on the hood. We've seen in just the last few days discounts as large as nine to $12,000, which is truly out of this world. You would not have thought this uh, when this vehicle came out in, in April. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in a vehicle like this, uh, the Jeep Gladiator now looks like it's available at a, at a very generous discount. So uh, I'm almost tempted to go pick one up myself. Uh, why are they offering so many discounts? Well, it always comes down to supply and demand. Uh, keep in mind that uh, uh, FCA has uh, these uh, dual factories in Toledo, Ohio. In one factory, they make the Wrangler, and that one is going at full tilt still. They make over 250000 almost 300000 a year. Now, the other half of the factory, the only thing they have in that other half is the Gladiator, and they only sold about 42,000 of them or so in North America in calendar year 2019, which admittedly didn't start until... Uh, uh, roughly the beginning of the of the second quarter, so it was not a full year and certainly not a full year at full speed. But nevertheless, it's a pretty small number to fill out a factory, so they have a lot of capacity in that factory. And still, that vehicle has not yet been selling internationally outside of North America. So you have a little bit of some supply and demand problem. They have a lot of capacity that they could run through the factory, and uh, at these prices before discounts, uh, there just weren't enough takers in the United States and Canada combined. 
All right, let's talk about uh, Hyundai Kona. Uh, Hyundai starts making an electric Kona in Europe. Uh, it's sort of the bottle, it's, you know, the, it's relieving the, a major bottleneck that's causing very long lead times in a time of strong demand and growth. Yeah, so the, the European mandate for uh, effectively having to sell an enormous number of electric cars that took into effect here in January 1st has meant that there's an enormous backlog of orders in Europe for the all-electric version of the uh, Hyundai Kona subcompact uh, crossover. And uh, they were all supplied uh, until now uh, from their factory in Korea, and they just couldn't get enough units. I mean, we're talking about uh, just a few thousand units a quarter, which uh, frankly wasn't enough to satisfy the enormous demand here that was piling up going into calendar year 2020. So now what they're doing is that they have one of their existing factories in Europe that will start producing the Kona here in March. And uh, this should be uh, increasing their capacity dramatically. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Kona turns out to be one of the top three or four best-selling electric cars in Europe in calendar year 2020. They may even reach the podium there of the top three because this should in, increase their, their ability to supply the market here because the market has a, uh, satisfied several hundred thousands of units sold. So all of the major electric car players in Europe, from Renault, Zoe, to Tesla, to Mercedes and BMW, and you go down the list, all of them, Seat and Skoda, all of them will be supplying into this, and I think uh, this will enable... Hyundai to take its uh, bite out of the flesh of that market. All right, in the last minute we've got left, let's just touch on this. UPS invests in electric vehicles, pioneering as delivery giants play, the delivery giant places an order for 10,000 vans. Is this, this seems an awful lot of electric vehicles that they're talking about buying. Yeah, but these are planned routes. You know, they, they know that the uh, vehicle is only going to travel a few miles every day. So they're really uh, ideal for an electric vehicle because if uh, you're not going to take this thing on some random wilderness travel across country, but you know the routes, you know you're in a certain zip code, uh, you know you're not going to run out of charge. It could actually be rather efficient if you if the purchase cost is right and the operational cost is right. So I could totally see why there is an easy break-even point that once you hit that a critical inflection point in the purchase price, whether you're a FedEx or a UPS or equivalent, you could be ordering many, many tens of thousands of these over time. And we've already seen Amazon order 10,000 units from Rivian that uh, they will start taking deliveries over the next uh, year and a half. All right, Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor. Read the majority of his stuff at the street or at Seeking Alpha. Uh, always a good read. Anton, thanks for joining us. If you want to listen to previous episodes of the show, you can download this show at ourautoexpert.com or you can listen to it on uh, Apple Podcasts or on any of the other uh, major podcast downloading systems. We even have it on Amazon Alexa. You can also visit our website at ourautoexpert.com. There you can read some of the stories that we've written about future tech and new cars you can also watch the videos from our tv stations around the country and enjoy a lot of the social media channels where we have our auto expert accounts we'll be back again next week with another pack show on our auto expert you've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. Yeah.